Well, good morning, church. Appreciate you being here. My name is Mark. I've been the pastor here for a little more than 12 years, and uh, it's my privilege to fill this pulpit on most Sundays. If you are visiting, we have a gift for you. Out at our information desk, we have a devotional that I've written entitled Life Words, and this is the first of three devotionals. The third is uh, almost at the publishers now. We're almost done editing it. But I wrote it to be able to give to our, our visitors of our church. So these are free of charge. If you're visiting, please feel free to take one. If you're not visiting and you've never picked one up, uh, please feel free to do that as well. It's for everybody that's new to our church, and we'd like for you to have that as a gift of ours, please. Um, I just got back from Florida. We spent 25 hours down in uh, uh, Fort Myers, Port Charlotte uh, areas, just checking out the situation before we leave tomorrow. Uh, there are 25 of us that are heading down, and we fly out of CVG tomorrow at 12:40, and uh, we'll be down there working all day uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and come back on Saturday. Uh, thank you so much for your generosity as a church that all of our expenses are taken care of, our transportation down there, our transportation while we're there. All of our meals are taken care of because you've been so generous with other disaster relief trips, and we've got a fund that has been uh, piling up on that, and thank you for that. But we are asking you this morning if you feel so led to contribute um, to our Florida Disaster Relief Fund because even though our expenses are made, we got... Uh, we'll minister to a lot of people down there who've lost a lot and we like to leave them with a monetary gift and we do that in the name of Jesus wherever we go and so thank you for helping us be the hearts and the hands and body and feet of Jesus as we're there and go do what Christians are supposed to do and so uh, I'm, uh, I'm excited to be able to do that if you're going with us tomorrow we've got your uh, uh, Florida t-shirts that are uh, in the office go grab uh, grab you one um, there's a lot of devastation down there you can't even get to Fort Myers Beach search and rescue is still going on I'm going to let you get about three miles from Fort Myers Beach as you go up the coast in Port Charlotte in that area it got hit pretty hard before it went inland and so um, God will use us and use our availability and use our hands and feet to be able to help those so thanks for going, for those of you that are going, and thanks for helping us go, those of you that can't go with us, okay? We are in a um, sermon series. This is the eighth week in Hebrews chapter 11, and we're just going through verse by verse. I don't know how far we'll get in Hebrews 11 before the Christmas season will be on us, and it will be here before we know it. But we've just been going verse by verse. I've been enjoying it. I hope that you have. And we've been learning about Hebrews chapter 11, which I grew up knew, knowing that it was called the Hall of Fame of Faith because it... It says, by faith Abraham, by faith Moses, by faith Joseph, by faith so-and-so. And so they called it the Hall of Fame of Faith, which obviously puts the emphasis on uh, the people. And that's not right at all. It's not a good name for that at all. It's, it's the emphasis on Hebrews 11 is what faith does. It's not, on, um, it's not on Joseph. It's not on the people. It's what faith does. And we learn through Hebrews chapter 11 that faith is a verb. Faith is an action. Faith is not, not something that you have inside of you. Faith does something in your life. And we've learned that all the way through. In fact, we've just, so far we've learned that faith offered a better sacrifice when Abel offered a better sacrifice than his son, than his brother uh, Cain did. We learned that 
Uh, Enoch pleased God. Faith pleases God. And you know that if you're a mom or dad. Um, well, I'll, I'll tell my boys something, and, and because they're boys and because they're young and, and, you know, they just haven't been around the block yet, you know, um, they, they lots of times don't want to do what I've told them, and they just don't believe that what I am said is right. You know, kids don't know that we've been through the same things they've been through. Do you know that? They, don't, they think they're the first ones to ever go through those things. And, uh, but I am so honored and pleased when my boys, even though they don't really get it, they just trust me. They just trust me. Their, their brain is not developed enough for them to really think through that. They haven't had enough life experience to learn from the mistakes that I've made. But they just take Dad at his word. I, that makes me feel really good. Now, if it makes us feel good from a human level, how much does it must please God when we as human beings, we don't see the, the, the whole story and we just trust God? How much that must please Him? When we don't walk by sight, we walk by faith in His Word. How much that, if it pleases us, we know how we feel like that when my son has enough confidence just to say, okay, Dad, how much, I wonder how God feels when we say the same thing. Faith pleases God. Faith built an ark even though there was no such thing as rain yet. Took God at his word. Hey, Tim Wallen, good to see you, man. I'm glad you're here. Faith takes God at his word. There's no such thing as rain yet, but God said there's going to be rain, so you need to spend decades building this ark. And can you imagine the people that laughed at him as he's building this ark for rain? Well, what's rain? You know, we got enough water because the, the ground just bubbles up, and now there's going to be, God said there's going to be something called rain. Faith built an ark. Faith, Abraham obeyed and went even though he didn't know where he was going. God just says, leave your family and go to the place I'll tell you. Again, walking by faith and not by sight. Faith believes God's promises. Sarah, even though she was barren and her husband was uh, past, was in old age himself, she believed God for a son. God said, there's going to be a son. You're going to have a son, Abraham and Sarah. You're going to have a son, and through him, all the people of the world will be blessed. And, and she took God at his word. And then faith trusts, last week we said faith trusts God despite the circumstances of life. I don't like to preach on Abraham's sacrifice or attempted sacrifice of Isaac because I don't know if I could do that. But despite the circumstances of life, the Bible says Adam took Isaac, believing God would raise him from the dead. And when circumstances of our life doesn't seem to add up, do we still trust God. I had several people write me emails or text messages and said last week's message on that point that we did trust God despite what the circumstances are was really impactful in them where they're, and where they're living. Two of them were widows. Our, our flesh wants to walk by sight in the circumstances that we see. Faith does not walk by sight. Faith walks by faith. Boy, it's just, it's, it, for me and everybody else, 
The circumstances of life want to dictate our life for us instead of the promises of God. And that's a human condition. It's really easy for me to stand up here and preach it. And it's a lot more difficult for us to walk, live it, live it out. But Abraham, the circumstances of Abraham's life was God had promised him a son. And God had given him a son. But now God had told him to go sacrifice that son. Well, that, didn't, that couldn't add up at all. But the Bible says that even the circumstances of life seem to be contrary to the promises of God. He trusted the promises of God and laid Isaac at that altar knowing that God could raise from the dead. <laughs> Trusting God despite the circumstances of life. That's what faith does. Now today we're going to talk about Isaac and, and Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham was the father, and Isaac was the son, and Jacob was the grandson. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we learn in Hebrews chapter 12, excuse me, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 20, excuse me. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. We learn in the Old Testament in, in Genesis, I'm not sure of the verse, but that, that Isaac was old and nearly blind at this time. And those of you that know your Bibles know the whole backstory of Sarah's deception and all of this and I don't have time to go there today but Isaac here was near death he was old and he was blind and he blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future he, he saw what their future was he had not walked into the promised land he did not receive the blessings of the promised land but he blessed them which was the tradition of the day to, to, to bless the sons before you die he blessed them in regard to what was going to happen. That's faith right there. He blessed them in regard to what was going to happen because God had promised it even though it had not happened yet. And then verse 21 says, the grandson, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, uh, Abraham's grandson, Isaac's son, by faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed east of Joseph's sons and worshiped as he leaned on top of his staff. So we have two men here we have two men here uh, near death, okay? Isaac, we don't know much about him in Scripture. We, know, we don't know hardly anything about his adult life, hardly anything. We know at the end of our life, he, he blessed his son regarding the promises that God had made. Jacob, we know a lot about Jacob. Jacob didn't follow God most of his life. Jacob was involved in deception and ended up being deceived himself later on, if you remember the story about Laban. And, and, and there's not much evidence that Jacob followed God until his 130th year of living. He lived 147 years. If you read the Bible carefully, there seems to be a change in the last 17 years of his life. Can I tell you what I learned from those two things? You're never too old to exercise faith. Whether that exercise faith would be a first time accepting Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life, or whether it would be living by faith or, and not leaning on your own understanding, whether it be stepping out on faith. You're, you're never too old. We, we, got, we have two examples here. And, and the only reason, we don't know too much about Isaac at all except that he blessed his two sons when he was dying. We know a, a lot more about Jacob, but we're saying at the end of their life, the Bible makes it very clear at the end of their life, 
They were believing the promises of God and blessed their sons regarding God's promises for the future. Friends, can I say to you, young or old and anywhere in between, you're never too old to exercise faith. Never. And again, that might be becoming a Christian to exercise faith or that just might be stepping out on faith. That might, just might not be leaning on your own understanding, just trusting God for something in your life. You're never too old to exercise faith. Isaac wasn't. Jacob started exercising faith in the 130th year of his life. But can I be an honest preacher? Though it's absolutely true that you're never too old to exercise faith, the truth of the matter is the older you get, the harder your heart can become. The more stubborn you can become. If you said no to, God, no to God over and over and over and over again, the Bible talks about a hardened heart. God can do whatever God wants to do. And it, the, the problem with somebody exercising faith when they're 70 or 80 or 90 years old is not with God, it's with the human heart. Because you know what? It's not in the Bible, but it's, it's, it, it's illustrated in the Bible. The secular statement is true, that it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks. That's why three out of four people come to Christ before they're the age of 18. If you, if you, make, it, if you make it to 18 kids and you haven't accepted Christ, the data reveals that your chances drop dramatically. Everybody agrees with that. Now, there's, there's obviously examples of people that have come to faith past the age of 18. I would be one of those. But the data is clear. The older one gets, the harder it is for them to exercise faith. You're never too old. God can always move on you. But how many of you know older people that have grown bitter? Their heart is hardened. They've become stubborn. They've become proud. And God gives grace to the humble. And the problem is not with God. His arm is not shortened. He, he, he can do whatever at 70, 80, 90 years old. But the problem was with the human heart. So if you hear God today, don't say no to him today. With each no, with each no, a heart can become more and more hard. I got saved at 34. I called my dad. I said, Dad, I got saved. He says, well, your mother and I always prayed that your heart would stay soft. Dad knew where I was living. And Dad knew the, 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 the choices I was making. And he knew those choices could harden my heart, as they do for most people. For some reason, I can't understand and never, ever know, a miracle happened for me on August 29, 1993. My heart was still soft enough. And the only, only, only reason I think my heart was still soft enough is because of mom's and dad's teaching when I was young. As I was researching this, I found this question that was submitted to Billy Graham when he was still alive. 
This is somebody asked this question. I heard you say once, talking to Dr. Graham, I heard you say once that the older someone gets, the harder it is for them to, r- to run to God. But I don't agree with that. I'm in my 60s, and although I'm not a religious person right now, I'm sure I could turn to God anytime I wanted to. <laughs> Can I say something nice? That's foolish. That's not the way spiritual things work. That's presuming on God. I can just turn to God anytime I want to. Really? It's not how this thing works, friends. Your, your heart has to be tender and your heart has to be soft. And after you've said no, it's just not turning to God anytime you want. It's having a heart that's open and can receive and is humble. And, and the older you get, the, the more, more stubborn and prideful you are and to say, I've been wrong all these years. I'm here to tell you that you're never too old to exercise faith. I'm here to tell you that. But I'm also here to tell you that the reality is, once you get past 18, the data is against you. And you can discard that all you want. You can say, I'll be a special case, and maybe you will. There's been millions of special cases, I know. There's a lot of people that have come to Christ in their 20s and excuse me, come back to Christ in their 20s and 30s or 40s, but there was a seed planted in youth group. That's why we spend so much money on children's ministry. That's why we spend so much money on youth ministry. We spend, we spend gobs more on youth ministry than we do on seniors. Can I, say, can I tell you that? Is that bad? That's just being honest. Any other preacher, if they would just be honest, would tell you the same thing. Because, because we've learned, whether we've been a preacher for 26 years or 46 years, that faith decisions are made early. Oh, one can come to Christ at 40, 50, 60, 70. Even, that's, that's, that God's arm is not shortened, but our human heart gets hard. And you're a fool if you think, well, I can just come to Christ anytime I want to. Don't presume on tomorrow. You never know when you might run into the back of a tra- tractor trailer on 35. Jesus tells a parable, parable in Luke chapter 12. Jesus told this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what should I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And verse 19 says, and I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. And and God said to him, you fool. That's exactly what I think God would say to that guy that wrote the letter to Billy Graham. You fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? None of us knows what tomorrow holds. And how foolish it is to put off important, life-changing, life-altering decisions till tomorrow and say, I'll just do it tomorrow. 
Proverbs 29 teaches us that you get stiff-necked after many rebukes. What's rebukes? Many times it's conviction that you may feel in a sermon as God is working on your heart. Whoever remains stiff-necked after many rebukes will suddenly be destroyed without remedy. My dad says this, and he just wondered. He's told me before. He said, I wonder if you can say no to God one too many times. And then your heart becomes so hard you can't hear anymore. Not hear physically, hear spiritually. Now that, that goes against what I started with today, that it's never too old. And I believe with all my heart, you're never too old to exercise faith. The problem is not with God, that God can't move on you. But the problem comes to be with your heart. And your desire to draw near to God because his clear promise in scripture in James 4 is as if you draw near to him, he'll draw near to us. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, and I focus on the last part of this. Now is the time of God's favor. To now, today is the day of God's salvation. Who knows what tomorrow will hold for you? Jesus said it in Matthew 11. If you have ears to hear, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Not physical ears, spiritual ears. And you turn that around, it says, well, there may be a day you don't have ears to hear anymore. Not you don't have physical ears, you don't have spiritual ears anymore. All of you have people in your life that you know that their hearts have hardened. And why have their hearts hardened? Maybe the circumstances of life, but I wonder how many times they've said no to God. They've resisted his temptation. Re resisted his conviction. We don't have old-time altar calls anymore, and maybe we, we should have them like we used to, but Harold remembers you used to see pe people grip the, grip the altar. Conviction was so tight on them, Telling them to go forward, they would grip the altar, saying no to God. But the problem's not with God. God can do it at any age. The problem's with the human heart. You're never too old to exercise faith. But the issue is with a heart that may grow old and stubborn, prideful. Jesus says, if you have ears... You better hear, because you may not always have spiritual ears. You may not always have spiritual ears. So, I just, from, from Isaac and from Jacob, we know that even at old age, even at older age, that we can exercise faith. You hear that are older, that are, are, are Christians, uh, life has not passed you by. You can still exercise faith. You can still not lean on your own understanding. You can still step out in faith and allow God to provide for you. But the, very, the truth of the matter is, if you feel God pushing you to something, whether you're old or young right now, if you're pushing him to something, if he's pushing you towards something, wants you to do something, each no that you give him could harden your heart just a little bit more. 
hopefully you will never come stiff-necked. But lots of you have people in your mind right now that you know they're old and they're bitter. If you have ears to hear today, you need to respond. You may not have ears to hear tomorrow. Today, today is the day of salvation. Hebrews eleven twenty one. 21, I already read to you, but let me read it to you one more time. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshiped as he leaned on the top of his staff. There's a lot of stuff in Jacob's background, a lot of stuff. The older you get, the more stuff you have in your background. The older you get, the more people have done you wrong. The older you get, the more injustice you've dealt with. It's just a part of life. But here, Jacob, in the last 17 years of a 147-year life, seemed to have some life change. And he seemed to be following the one true God. He worshiped as he leaned on top of his staff. Can I tell you, you're never too old to get past your past. You are never too old. I don't care what's been done to you. I'm not doubting, I'm not doubting the difficulty of what has been done to you and the injustice of what your husband, your wife, your dad, your boss, your employer, that church, what they did to you. You are never too old to get past your past. He had 130 years of past to get through. I, you know, it's probably not the best part of my ministry, but when someone's in my office and just recounting all the bad things that have happened to them in their life, My brain just says, I don't say it out loud. I at least got a little common sense. But my brain says, hurry up and get to the end of this so we can talk, start talking about your future. Yeah. Basically, I say, and this, this is going to push some of you, and I'm sorry. Basically, what happened to you, I'm sorry it did but I'm not concerned with it. I'm concerned about today forward. I don't have a magic pill to give you to help you get over your past. I can't send you to a trauma counselor that's going to all of a sudden make, your, make you all better. God's the only one that's going to help you. And you've got to let go of that past. And you're never too old to do that. You're never too old. You're never too old to forgive your parents to forgive your sister, to forgive that church, to forgive whatever it is. What's the option to not forgiving? Is that your heart will grow bitter. And what happens when the heart grows bitter? It gets hard. You're never too old to get past your past. I don't mean this bad. I really don't. Get over it for your sake, for your children's sake, for your eternal sake. Get over it. 
I'm not diminishing what has happened. I just know it's not part of your future. You can, leave, you can either deal with it and allow it to drag you down in the future, or you can say, by the grace of God, I've got to leave it right here. And that's so easy for me to preach and so hard for you to do. And I get that. I get it 100%. But it's the only thing any counselor can tell you. You're never too old to exercise faith. You're never too old to get past your past. God can do miracles as long as your heart doesn't get hard. He can do marvelous things with humility. Marvelous things with humility. As long as your heart doesn't get stubborn. And each time I say no to God, each time I resist the conviction, each time I, I don't do what he wants me to do, my heart can get a little bit harder and a little bit harder. My dad said, your mother and I always prayed that your heart would stay soft because dad knew the absolute tragedy of a hardened heart. Well, let me finish. We have a passage here from Genesis 47 and I've kind of taken little bits and pieces of three verses here. When Jacob, 147 years old, the time drew near for him to die. He called for his son Joseph and said to him, Do not bury me in Egypt, but when I rest with my fathers, carry me out of Egypt and bury me where they are buried. That's a statement of faith. Jacob didn't see the promised land. Jacob didn't, didn't, didn't envision and live the promises that God had. God gave way back to his grandfather Abraham, but, God said, but Jacob said, This is going to happen. So when you... When you bury me you cart me out of this place don't bury me here you bury me don't bury me in Egypt bury me in the promised land and is it isn't it interesting that Jacob's son Joseph said the same thing on his deathbed where did he learn that where did he learn that can I tell you something friends you're never too old to testify to your family of God's goodness and grace in your life. At the end of Joseph's life, he said the same thing. Don't bury me here. Cart me out of here. Carry me out of here and bury me in the promised land. His dad said the same thing. Where did he learn that? The big deal in the Old Testament was blessing your kids and passing on faith one to the other and that faith is passed on through life, but it's also passed on through your testimony. I've told you about my little papa one hour before his death, held up a feeble hand and said, all is forgiven. I walked out of the room then because I was okay. Papa could die. It was fine. All is forgiven. Never too old. To testify to your family. Oh, oh, oh. I, it's, I just can't seem to talk about it. It's hard for me to talk about. You know what my dad used to say? 
He said, most people say they can't talk about it, don't have anything to talk about. <laughs> we talk about everything else. We talk about the Buckeyes. We talk about our kids' soccer games. But we can't talk about Jesus. I wonder if you've ever met him. Never too old to testify to your family. God's laid, laid this on my heart last week. I, I, and, and I haven't done it. And it's not something that like, I guess I probably should do it because, again, you're not promised tomorrow. But, but God has laid on my heart that I need to write my funeral. I don't want somebody else to write my funeral. It's my funeral. I want to be said at my funeral what I want said at my funeral. <laughs> I ain't going to leave that up for some, anybody else. Why should I depend on what Levi and Christopher is going to stand up and say? They may mess it all up. <laughs> you know, my funeral is the last opportunity I'll have to give a testimony of faith. So you need, to, you need to hold me accountable to that. And you need to ask me next Sunday if I've written my funeral yet. Because I really believe God has laid that on me. Now I know that Christopher's going to get up and say something and Levi's going to get up and say something. and I understand all that kind of stuff. And, but but I, you need to hear from me at my funeral. And I'm, I'm going to have something written that I want somebody to read. This is what Mark says. Because it's the last chance I have to testify to God's grace and goodness in my life. Amen. Write it down, friends. Denny Thornton had it all written out. My dad, he was kind of a control freak, but he, he, dad even had the three points he wanted the preacher to preach. <laughs> I promise you that. I promise you that. Um, I think one of the things, and there's more, but one of the things we can learn from Isaac and Jacob is you, you're never too old to exercise faith. You're never too old to get past your past. We learn that from Jacob. And we're never too old to give testimony of your faith and leave, leave your family with a testimony of your spiritual condition. But don't leave here thinking that even though you're never too old, don't be that guy that writes that letter to Billy Graham. That's, that's about the most silliest thing I've ever read in my life. <laughs> today is the day of salvation. If you hear his voice today, act on it. Do not presume on God. We all know mentally, we all know mentally that we don't have tomorrow. We all know that. But not too many of us, me included, have it right here. Because a lot of us, me included, live like we have tomorrow. Do what needs to be done. Say what needs to be said. Make the changes that need to be made. Oh, I know God can do whatever. He, you're never too old. God can always reach you, but your heart can get hard 
It's not a problem with God. It's a problem with hearts. Our servers are coming to the table. I don't know. I don't know what you need to uh, stop saying no to God about. For some of you, maybe it's salvation. Maybe it's having the humility to be able to come to this altar and bend this knee and said, I have been wrong for the last 50 years of my life, for the last 60 years of my life. I have been self-righteous. I've, I've lived by the seat of my own pants. Let me tell you, the humility that it would take to come and kneel at that altar, God honors that humility. And I don't know other things. Maybe, maybe you're older and God is... God has been talking to you about something. It's not a salvation issue, but something he wants you to do, someplace he wants you to go. It's a faith issue. It's a faith issue. You're never too old to exercise faith. And for all the young people in the room, the data is clear. The huge majority of people come to Christ at a young age. And then once you get past 18, it just goes down year by year by year. Your chances of you embracing Jesus. That's not one of those nice things that we talk about in church all the time, but it's a reality. And any honest preacher knows that's true. Today is the day. Do not harden your heart. Hearken his voice, the Bible says. Hearken to his voice. Lord, thank you for your goodness and part of your goodness is conviction part of your goodness is that you talk to us but um, part of the free will we have is that we can say yes or no and part of consequences of saying no or hearts can become hard and we can become proud stiff-necked and stubborn thank you that your grace can reach us at any age but help our hearts say tender help us to say yes when we still have ears to hear in Jesus name Amen